If I said, how's everybody doing? You would say, exactly, fine, great, good, right? That's what we do, right? Because we, well, we live in America. We kind of know how that greeting works. It's pretty normal. Not necessarily bad, but the truth is we're not always fine, are we? None of us are. There's times that we're much less than that. In fact, there's times that we may feel quite broken, in fact, that life is not going the way that we wanted it to go, or things that have happened, maybe it's a diagnosis, maybe it's the loss of a loved one, maybe it's a problem at work or a difficulty in our families, whatever it may be, we understand brokenness. And it's difficult, is sometimes as Christians we assume that, well, God always wants us to be happy, right? And while God is not anti-happiness, the fact is the Bible never, or God not, never promised that Christians will be happy all the time. It's just not there. Sorry if that bursts your bubble. You're like, well, that makes me unhappy. I know. But it's not, we just simply are not always going to be, uh, be happy. In fact, Jesus says it this way, John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So Jesus says that we will have trials and sorrows on earth. Like, that's a guarantee. It'll happen. But we can take heart because we know that this world is not all there is to it. That Jesus, through his life, death, resurrection, has overcome the power of sin and death. And so we have hope of eternal life, that this world is not the final score. And so that gives us great hope. However, we still experience brokenness here in this world. It's important to remember that God does not cause all brokenness. It's not that God wants all brokenness to happen. In fact, a lot of our brokenness is caused by our own sin or somebody else's sin. And sin is never the will of God. God never wants us to sin. So today I want to tell you a story from from the Bible about a woman who was very broken and she encounters Jesus. And it's a story of incredible contrast uh, that I think that for me is a very interesting story that helps me to learn more about brokenness. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, and I want to tell you the story about how Jesus went to have dinner with a Pharisee. You might remember that Pharisees were, the, uh, were some of the religious elite. Uh, these guys were very serious about obeying God's word. They made lots of extra laws to make sure they wouldn't break God's, uh, God's actual laws. So while they get a bad rap, the fact is they were very passionate about following the Lord. But sometimes they would fall into legalism. So verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Wow. This is awkward, don't you think? I mean, the the Bible doesn't say it directly, but most scholars believe that this woman was a prostitute, okay? So Jesus is having dinner, 
at like a like the extreme of religious leaders, like the most like holy guy you're gonna find. She's having Jesus is having dinner at this guy's house. He's been invited as a guest. And in the middle of dinner, this woman walks in who people know who she is. And this is a woman Pharisees would not have allowed to come into the home. Not going to happen, right? But she comes in because she hears Jesus is in town. And her life has apparently been so touched by Jesus, she wants to come and offer this ridiculously generous uh, act of, of kindness and love for Jesus. So she comes in and she does this. And to understand how it worked, you've got to know that, you know, we sit at tables, you know, about this high and nice, comfortable chairs. When they were having formal dinners in that culture, they did it a little different. Their tables were much lower, like about a foot off the ground. And so they would recline, kind of leaning into the table with their feet stretched away from the table, which probably wasn't great for back pain, but that's how they did it. And so this is how they would, they would dine in these kind of situations. And so when the woman came in, Jesus' feet would have been easily accessible to her that, was, that were stretched out uh, behind him. And so she comes in and she begins to, to weep. She's just overcome with emotion, and, and she weeps, and she's crying, and her tears fall onto Jesus' feet, and she's wa washing Jesus' feet with her tears. She anoints them with this expensive, expensive jar of oil, and she then wipes his, his feet with her hair. She's crying. She's broken. She's hurting. And the religious leaders' minds are blown. <laughs> what, what is she doing here? And, and why on earth would Jesus just allow this to happen? Like, this, this does not make any sense. You see, she's coming to Jesus from a place of deep, deep brokenness. And you know, if you're here today and you're feeling some brokenness, or you're watching with us online, and you're feeling some brokenness, my friend, you've come to the right place. Because our God, our God meets us in places of brokenness. I believe that coming to Jesus from a place of brokenness beats coming to Jesus from a place of pride. You see, the religious leaders there, they came from a place of pride, right? We got it all figured out. We wear the nice robes. We get to do the teaching. We get to all this stuff. What is she doing here? Who even, do we not have some better security than that? Who would let her in? She has no place in this house. She has no place at this dinner. And she sure has no place doing that with Jesus. That's, that is that is unnecessary. That is unnecessary. They're going to struggle to encounter Jesus because they're coming from a place of pride where she's going to encounter the love and the forgiveness of Jesus because she comes from a place of brokenness. So if you're here feeling a little broken, you've come to the right place because Jesus wants to meet you. Now, Jesus, now, the Pharisees, they, they're confused by this, right? Verse 39, when the Pharisee who invited him in saw this, the Pharisee said to himself, if this man, that's Jesus, if Jesus were a prophet, 
he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. So you see here that for this Pharisee, we'll see later his name is Simon. For Simon, his faith in Jesus is not much, right? In fact, he doubts that Jesus even is a prophet, much less son of God. Like he certainly would not have believed that. So he's, he's kind of bringing in Jesus maybe to interview him to see, is Jesus really legit? You know, why do people like him so much? Who is this guy? And so far, Jesus is failing the test, right? Like, you can't be a prophet. Like, you can't even recognize a prostitute when you see one. How can you possibly be a prophet? Prophets are supposed to know a lot of stuff, stuff we don't see and understand. You miss the most obvious of stuff here, Jesus. You are not prophetic. If you were, you would not, you would not let that woman touch you. Simon bemoans what's happening here. And I think there's an interesting contract when, contrast. When you encounter brokenness, you can either moan about it, talk about how horrible it is, or you can mourn about it. Now, mourning is different. Mourning is allowing real grief to happen. We need to grieve. God gave us grief for a reason. We, when we go through difficult times, we need to be able to cry. We need to be able to grieve. We need to be able to find hope and, and help from others. This is important. But it's not something we need to moan and complain about in a negative sense. Instead, it's something that we, we mourn and we find help through Jesus here. So he has said to that Jesus is not, he can't be a prophet because he doesn't know who this woman is. Well, Jesus is going to show him just how prophetic he is. Check out this next line, verse 42, for, verse 40. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. <laughs> Get that? Simon didn't say that, he just thought it. And Jesus is going to blow his little mind here, right? Because he's going to actually answer what Simon is thinking. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be pretty impressive to me if Jesus read my mind and gave an answer. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more? Now, this is, you know, if, you, if you've gotten through, what, second, third grade math, this is not tough, right? It's a greater than, less than kind of problem, right? If, if you owed 500 bucks and you were forgiven, and somebody else was owed 50 bucks and they were forgiven, hmm, who do you think's more happy? That's a pretty straightforward question. But Simon, I think he knows he's being set up here, right? Because look at his answer. He says, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. I love that, I suppose, right? I understand math, and I also understand Jesus is probably setting me up here. I suppose it's that one here. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer to wash my, the dust from my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, 
She has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. <laughs> oh my. If you thought Jesus crossed the line before, just watch this one, right? Because now he's taking this woman, who Simon can't stand the fact that she's in his house, and she's saying, or he's saying basically, Simon, she is a better host than you are. Whew, this is not going to go over well, right? I mean, are, are you kidding me, Jesus? In fact, what Jesus is doing here, if you'll notice, he's using hyperbole, right? Because the truth is, the woman wasn't there when Jesus walked in, right? Jesus acts as if she's been there all along. He acts as if she's like a host to this party, which clearly she's not. She's an intruder into this party. What are you doing, Jesus? What are you saying here? Now we understand the 550 business. You see... This is a woman who has encountered Jesus, and her life has been changed. Think about it. Every man that she encountered was one who either looked down at her or who used her. And then she encounters Jesus, this man who authentically loves her, who sees her at her best. Everybody else sees her at her worst. He sees this potential in her. He offers her love. He offers her forgiveness. He offers her grace. So when she hears that this Jesus is back in town, she's got to come and do something big and generous to show her kindness. Simon had Jesus over, and he had done the basics of hospitality. You see, a Pharisee's going to follow all the laws, but it wasn't a law you had to wash your guest's feet. That was courteous, but you didn't have to do it. It wasn't a law that you had to kiss him, but it was polite, I guess, I assume. Uh, it, it wasn't a law that you had to anoint them, but Jesus points out, he says, Simon, you didn't even anoint me with olive oil, the cheap stuff. She's anointed me with this high-end perfume. Simon, she's the better host than you are. <laughs> oh, my. That would have been like the ultimate insult to the Pharisee. And then Jesus here, he's going to deliver the punchline. Verse 47, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Now, this was the most controversial thing he could have said. Because remember, Simon doesn't believe that Jesus is God. So who does he think he is to say that her sins are forgiven? The men at the table said to themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. In his own mind, Simon needs very little forgiveness. He's a really good guy. He keeps the law better than pretty much anybody else. You want to talk about obedience? He's like a top one percenter here, right? And yet Jesus exalts a prostitute over him. Well, she's been forgiven 
at 500 level. So she knows, she knows how important this is. She loves Jesus so much because she knows her brokenness. Simon doesn't know his own brokenness. He doesn't understand the depth of his need for Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you know that you're a 500 level sinner. <laughs> you're like, eh, I might be a 5,000 level sinner for that. Or, or, or maybe you're more of a, a 50 sinner. Or maybe you think that you're a level five sinner. You're probably wrong, but maybe you think you're there. The fact is we all need forgiveness. We all need Jesus' love and grace, and we all come with our own version of brokenness. Don't ever look down at somebody else because you think they're more broken than you. That's nonsense. We all are 100% in need of a Savior. Simon was, and so was this woman. So am I, so are you. And Jesus offers forgiveness. No matter what level you come here at, no matter what level you're watching with us online, no matter where you believe you're at, Jesus offers forgiveness. And I want to invite you today to receive that forgiveness, to receive that healing. We'll have folks sticking around after the service to pray for you or in the chat room online. We would love to pray for you that God would help heal your brokenness. He's the great physician, and that's what he wants to do. He offers healing and wholeness. And you know, one other thing. When you experience God's healing in your brokenness, maybe God wants to use that to help somebody else experience healing too. You know, once you've experienced healing, your greatest ministry can, might come out of your deep, deepest brokenness. I believe that. Your greatest ministry might come out of your deepest brokenness. Who better, who better to help someone through addiction than the person for whom God has broken that addiction? Who better to help someone who's going through financial hard times than someone who's been there, done that? Who better to minister to someone who's lost a child than the one who God continues to bring you through that place of brokenness and pain? Who better to, to minister to the couple who's going through hard times than the one who's been there, done that? God didn't cause all of your pain, but God wants to use that pain to bring healing and wholeness to others. He's a great recycler of things. And we need to go through healing and, whole, and, and being made whole first. It's not a right away kind of thing. But maybe you're here and you say, yeah, I, I've been there, I've done that. Maybe God wants to use you this week. What if you would pray and ask God to, to just open up an opportunity and to give you the courage to say yes and to go into that, that place of brokenness and to let God use you? If he does, just a couple quick things here of how to help someone through brokenness. First, never minimize their pain. Don't do that, please. Sometimes when people are sharing painful stuff with us, we feel awkward. And we want to, like, help them feel better because then we'll feel better. So we say things that seem helpful to us, but they really are minimizing others' pain. Like, for example, watch out for those words, at least. When somebody's telling you that they went through this painful thing and you say, well, I'm sorry, but at least you, that's usually when we stick our foot in our mouth. We say something dumb. Because it doesn't help. 
When a person's going through pain, they don't need you to say some magic words to try to take it away. It's not going to happen. It's not what you're there for. God has placed you there to listen, to love, to care, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When you were broken, did you want some cheap, quick fix? It's not how it works. We need others to listen to love. Second, never rush people. It takes time to go through brokenness. How much time? I don't know. Neither do you. We don't get to control the clock here. But be willing to sit with them, to love on them, to support them. And finally, number three, remember that God uses brokenness to help us grow. So it's good to pray for them. It's good to ask that the Holy Spirit would, would meet them right where they're at, would draw them closer and closer to the Lord, because God can use this brokenness to help us grow closer to Him. God does that in my life. He can do it in your life and in the lives of others. So I'm going to pray here in a moment, and I'm going to pray for those who are experiencing brokenness today, that God would bring healing and restoration and also, I'm going to pray that God would use us as when we've gone through healing to help others. Would you pray with me? Great physician, would you do only what, the work that only you can do? Would you bring the healing that only you can bring? Would you bind up the brokenhearted? Would you show that you are near, that you are close, and that you love us? Lord, we come to you today in our own places of brokenness, and we are asking for your healing touch. I pray for the one who maybe has never given their life to you. Would this be the day that they say, Jesus, meet me in my brokenness. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all that is not of you. Bind up my brokenness, Lord. I pray for the one who's ready to give up, God. Help them to take the next step forward towards you, towards healing towards forgiveness, towards your love. Give us the courage to do that. And Lord Jesus, I pray for the one who has received healing, God, that you would use us. Would you open doors this week? Would you help us to have open eyes, open hearts, open minds to the work that you're doing, that we could step into places of brokenness and be your agents of love, of grace, even of healing. Lord, we pray that you would use us in that way. We pray that you would do your work of healing even through us, God. For you are a good God. You are a mighty healer. And we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.